You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Thank you. Good morning, Mercy Culture. Can you believe it? 50 years I've been walking with that man. Now you know why I'm an intercessor. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is such an honor and I'm so excited to be with you here today. Um, May I join Pastor Chris and may I wish all the mamas in the house, happy Mother's Day. All the mamas watching online, happy Mother's Day. Right? Turn to the person on your left or right if you haven't told him yet. Happy Mother's Day. I believe you have one of the highest callings of God upon your life, mamas. And I pray today you will hear the Father's affirmation and you will hear the applause of heaven. Amen? We love you, Mercy Culture. We love your pastors, Pastor Heather and Pastor Landon. We love all your pastors. You guys have amazing pastors, your leadership, amen. We honor them. We especially love the SLS students. Any SLS students? Yeah. We're here with them once a month. And I'll tell you, last month was our anniversary, and I'm going to join Pastor Chris, even though I don't live here. Y'all, you know what they did for us? They wrote uh, notes to us and affirmed us and expressed their love to us, and they went beyond that. That would have blessed our socks off, but they went beyond that, and they personally gave financially to us. Can you believe that? They are the best. That, That is the best. Well, you already saw my husband walk me up to the stage 50 years. My husband and I have lived life together and ministry together. Guess what? We're still madly in love with each other. But, okay, but no, here's the real kicker. We really like each other most of the time. Most of the time. Zane, will you stand up? Most of you know him, but he's here with me. The love of my life. Now, let me tell you something about him that most of you probably don't know. If, if, if you go up to him after the service today, he's going to tell you that I got yeah, my message from him. Right? Some of you have heard it. I see a lady over here shaking her head. It gets, it gets worse. He will say Pastor Landon's three-quarters of his sermons he got from him. That's what he will say. Um, We really do love each other. We went to Hawaii. We had a friend gift us a condo for almost three weeks on, on Maui, and it was amazing. So blessed by it. Well, they tell you when you're getting ready to speak that you should know your audience. And I have learned that Mercy Culture has their own language. So here we go. In today's message today, we're gonna lean in. And at times, we're going to lean into awkward. But there also might be needed to downshift for further understanding. And hopefully by the end of the message, we can put it on the board. All right? How'd I do? 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, your past, Pastor Landon's here by this. He sent me this and said, I need you to do this this morning. You guys probably know where I'm going, right? You've already heard that the Lord spoke to this house that this is a year of expanding your territory. Amen? And we have Jabez in First Chronicles, and he cries out to the God of Israel, and he says, oh God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, expand my territory, and your hand would be upon me that would cause me no pain. And we read that the Lord heard the prayer of Jabez and granted it unto him. What a powerful portion of scripture. So we understand that the spiritual gifts expand expands our spiritual territory. Amen? And those gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You've already heard a few of them already, but wisdom and knowledge, do they have it? They don't even have it up on the screen, so I better go through these because Pastor Land is going to check on me. But wisdom and knowledge and the gift of faith and healing and miracles and the discernment or distinguishing of spirits, speaking in tongues and the interpretation of the tongues, and these gifts expand the territory. And then there's the five W's of the gifts of the Spirit. Who are they for? Do you know? Everyone. Can you say it? Everyone. What are the gifts of the Spirit for? To advance the kingdom, or in your words, expand territory, right? Where are the gifts from? The one and only God. Where, why, when, excuse me, when were the gifts given after Jesus ascended on the day of Pentecost? And finally, why are they important? Because the gifts empower us to expand territory. Amen? I love it that your pastors are having this reputation of these powerful um, truths. Well, I was on the Trinity Trail this morning when I heard the Lord speak to me. <laughs> Okay, Pastor Lana and Pastor Heather will probably hear this message at some point, but I'm going to do something better than the Trinity Trail. I was on the beaches in Maui, and I heard the ocean roaring with the voice of God. But seriously, I knew I was coming today, so of course I was pondering and praying because Pastor Landon asked, will you please choose one of the gifts to speak on? So today, I'm going to speak on the gift of healing today. And so, amen, I love that already, um, the gift of healing. And I heard while I was on the beaches in Maui, I heard the Lord give me three words. Because it's such a vast topic to cover in one message, I said, Lord, I was really like, Lord, what are you? What is on your heart? And I heard three words, all faith go. Can you say it with me? All faith go. So that's what we're going to look at, the gift of healing, just under these two. And let's, let's begin with that word, all. All is one of those words that we were not allowed to use in our family. We were not allowed to use all or never. You do that all the time. You never help out. Why weren't we allowed to use it? Because it couldn't be accurate. Surely, right, they don't do it all the time. Surely, they, 
really do help out sometimes, and it's never. But this word all we find in the life of Jesus. And we're going to just look at a few scriptures here where we read that Jesus healed all who were present. And so these different portions in the scripture that we're going to look at today, we see that they're not these scriptures I'm reading happen different days, different places, different time. And so we read in Matthew 12, 15, many followed Jesus and he healed them all. Now listen to this. Jesus healed in Matthew 8, 16, all who were sick. Matthew 9, 35, healing all kind of sickness and all diseases. Acts 10, 38, Jesus healed all who were oppressed. Luke 6, 10, power came from him to heal them all. And the last one, Matthew 4, 24, Jesus healed all who were ill he healed all of various diseases. He healed all pain. He healed the demoniac. He healed the epileptic. And he healed all those that were paralyzed. This word all in the scriptures, I just want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus can heal all. Jesus can heal everything, right? Wait, we're going to lean into awkward. Do you really believe that? Right? And I love hearing some say yes. And I understand where others are hesitant to say, I'm not so sure. But when we look at this word all in the Greek, it is a profound meaning in the Greek language. Because all means all. It means everything. It's just another way of saying it. So we serve a God whose heart is to heal all. We serve a God whose power is to heal everything. Amen? Amen. Um, I love that all that we're seeing here in the scriptures because we're not told how many people were there. Those different seven scriptures I read you, we're not told how many people were there, but it was an open meeting. So we have to know that there were different, different ethnicities. There were the Greek, there was a Jew. We have to know that there was different ages of people that were there. There were some that believed in Jesus and there were some that didn't believe in Jesus, but Jesus still healed them all. So we see that his heart and his, his power is for everyone and for all things. What this word all is truly speaking to us, that it's God's will to heal. And there's some that are teaching today that it is not God's will to heal. That healing is past and it is not for today. But what the scripture is showing us, what Jesus is living in his earthly ministry is to say it is his will to heal. It is his will. Healing is in his nature. It is who he is. It's what he's about. It's what he does. Um, his name describes him as our healer. 
healer. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our God, our healer. So in his name, he tells us that he is our healer in his name. In his blood, we, we say, we sing songs about by his stripes, we are healed. So his blood flows with healing. His blood prophesies our salvation, our healing, our deliverance. So not only is it in his nature, not only is it in his name, but it's in the power of the blood of Jesus to heal. Amen? Amen. What some even teach today is that God sends sickness. Why? He sends sickness to teach us. May I just say to you, God does not send sickness. Sickness is not from God. Disease is not from God. God, and they they even go on further to say, God will um, give you sickness so it can bring glory to his name. That is against his nature. That is against his name. That is against his character. He does not send sickness. But in Romans, what God does do, Romans tells us, God causes all things to work together for our good and for his purpose. So that means if you and I are struggling with a sickness or a disease, he will take that and he will turn it for my good and for his purpose and ultimately his glory. Can you you say amen to that. Now we're focused upon the cross so much and by his stripes we are healed. But oftentimes we can really not look at what Jesus encountered in the garden because the cross by his stripes we are healed. We're focused on the physical. But we're told in the gospel about Jesus agonizing. Luke tells us that Jesus fell upon his knees in prayer crying out. And Mark tells us that he fell repeatedly and was agonizing to the point of death. And then Luke ends up telling us that he fell repeatedly and that he fell with such force or the impact in his body was agonizing so strong that the capillaries in his face started oozing blood. The great agony of the cross, but the great agony in the garden. Because in the garden, Jesus faced the emotional pain that he was getting ready even to face on the cross with the physical pain. And what it tells us is that everything that Jesus endured, everything that Jesus went through is releasing to you and I his redemptive healing. So he not only comes to heal the body, but he comes to heal our hearts, our hearts that are broken, our hearts because of loss, our hearts because of grief or sorrow. He comes to heal from the abuse. He comes to heal the mental agony, the mental anguish. He comes to heal when we've been abandoned and we've been betrayed. Every aspect of our lives that we face emotionally and mentally, we have in our Christ, the Lord who heals. Listen to this translation in Isaiah 53, 3 and 5. For Jesus was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And he, like from one who was people, would hide their faces. He was despised and we had no regard for him. 
However, it was our sickness that he bore and our pains that he carried, that he was pierced for our sins and by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. All that Jesus went through is to provide you and me healing for our complete being, healing for our soul and our body, not just physically alone, even though I'm focused today upon the, upon the physical part of it. The great anxiety and helplessness that he went through is redemptive for us. He heals addiction. But what I want to point out, we know that he heals the root or the cause of the addiction. He heals all trauma, but he will heal also the trauma that you experience from a long illness. You know you're traumatized when you deal with illness for a long time or a sickness. He doesn't leave any aspect out. He bore it all for us. Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, where we're told he agonized unto the point of death, still ministered healing. When the temple guards showed up to arrest him and Peter took the sword and and cut the ear off of the temple guard. We see Jesus in agony reaching up and healing the guard's ear. It is in his nature. And he is willing to heal all. He's willing to heal those who know him. But he's willing to heal those that don't know him. He's willing to heal those that believe, but he's willing to heal those that do not believe because it is in his nature. It is in his name. It is in his will to release healing. Jesus's earthly ministry primarily moved in healing and deliverance. It was not on the sideline. It was not on the fringe of his ministry. It was primary in his ministry. So you and I who are Christ's followers, healing ministry and setting people free should be primary in our ministry, should happen in our lives on a consistent basis. And God is here today to stir you and I up to a new place because ever before, never before have we seen the need to see the healing power and the delivering power of Jesus Christ. Amen. In fact, I'm just going to ask right now. If you're in this room, how many of you are in here and you say, I need a healing today? Whether it be physical, emotional, or mental, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand up. Oh my gosh. I feel the goodness of the Lord. Do you hear me? I feel the goodness of the Lord as your hands are up. I feel the compassion of the Lord, that Jehovah Rapha, your healer, is here today. And that is what today is all about. So we understand Jesus healed them all. Say all. All. And it's his will and his nature to heal. Amen? So now let's step into faith. 
Faith regarding healing. Faith as believers is at the core of our lives. Faith was present when you asked Jesus to come into your heart. You probably weren't aware of it, but Romans 10, 9 says, by faith we are saved. And then we go into Corinthians and it says, we live by faith. So faith is right, I, I always do this, it's like right at the core, the centrifuge of who we are. So I want us to look at this today because Jesus highlights faith in his ministry. He highlights, Jesus highlights, excuse me, that when you have faith, you will have your prayers answered. And I know that that can cause some troubling thoughts in a lot of us. And I'm going to get to why that can cause some troubling thoughts. But Jesus highlighted faith. He said to the man, according to your faith, be it unto you. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. And then he speaks to the father, great is your faith, your request is granted. He highlights faith. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. When I first started my journey with Christ, our spiritual father taught us the value and the importance of obedience. And that was my pursuit is to be obedient to him. But then when I read the scripture in Hebrews about pleasing God with faith, I I started saying, oh God, I want my faith to please you. And I ended up with a faith goal in Mark. And that goal was, the scripture says, you will say to the mountain, move, and the mountain will be moved and cast into the sea. Nothing is impossible to God. And I started believing that and praying that. And I saw many, many mountains move. I saw many, many giants fall. How many in here? That's your testimony that we serve a mountain moving, a giant killing God. We serve a God who makes a way through the Red Sea. We serve a God that we will walk through the overflowing rivers of the Jordan River, right? But then in 2001, my mountain didn't move. I had prayed, I had fasted, I had believed. But the circumstances didn't change. And they not only didn't change, they got worse. And then the enemy came in and started talking to me. And he said, Jan, you don't even have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Because if you would, you would be able to do Matthew 17. We're just the size of a mustard seed will say to this mountain, move, and, you will, and it will move. And I'll tell you, my faith crashed. My faith totally went from up here to here because the mountain didn't move. You don't have to raise your hand, but I believe I'm talking to so many of you, and you've experienced the same thing. When you've prayed and you've believed, and I thought, I got to get more faith. I got to pray longer. Oh, I had prayed, but I got to pray longer. I got to pray harder. I got to fast more. Do you guys relate? I must not have prayed the right words. That's why this mountain isn't moving. And the accuser, the enemy, laid condemnation upon me. And I was at such a low place, but in that low place, Jesus stepped in and met me. Sometimes when you're in the middle 
of the battle, we can struggle to hear God's voice. Because I was hearing my own voice and I was hearing the enemy speaking to me and I had God come in and I was so thankful I was able to hear him because he said, Jan, your faith is off focus. And he said to me, Jan, you're focused upon your faith and the size of your faith. And I thought, howdy doody, yes I am. I am, because it takes faith to please you. And he said, no, Jan. The object of faith is not my faith. The object of faith is God. You see, I was focused upon the mustard seed, not the God of the mustard seed. You see, the greatest faith that you and I have is I believe Jesus, not I believe, because even the demons believe. Did you catch that? The greatest statement of faith we can make is I believe Jesus, not I believe. We're not holding on to my healing. I'm not holding on to my healing. I'm holding on to my healer. Amen? That is, a, so my, my focus, my focus was off. And Jesus came to me and said, Jan, you don't need to get more faith. Romans 12:3 says that God has given each one of us a measure of faith. So again, I assume, I assumed that I got a measure of faith. When you were swimming in your mother's womb, God was in there, and amongst everything else he was doing, he placed a measure of faith in you. But in the Greek, do you know what the word measure translates to? Adequate and enough. So guess what? The enemy's telling me I don't have enough faith, but I have the measure of adequate enough and it gets better because that Greek word goes on to say that I have the fullness of Christ. In other words, all of Christ's faith is within me. All of Christ's faith is within you because Jesus resides within you. So I don't have to get more faith. I I got to break that faith open. I got to activate that faith. I got to exercise that faith. I got to step out of my comfort zone and I have to be bold to believe that I serve a God who heals everything and I serve a God who wills to heal everyone. So I want to speak to you today that your faith that you have is adequate for your mountain. The faith that you have is enough faith, the faith of Christ, to take that giant down that's in your life right now. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about our eyes are fixed on him. We have to stir that faith up. Psalms 107.20 said, God sent his word and he healed them. This will stir your faith up. This will break your faith open. When you get into the word of God, this is not in a binder alone by itself unless you believe that this is living. It is pulsating and breathing. If we could go in the spirit, this 
is breathing and pulsating life. The word of God has a heartbeat. This will ignite your faith. This will stir up, activate your faith. You have to get in the word of God. So I'm facing this mountain and it did not move. And I ended up in the hospital for eight days and they shut my body completely down and was intravenously feeding me. And I never will forget the words of the doctor who came in to me and she said, Jan, your body looks like a war zone. And I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Now during those eight days, my husband could not be with me because he got hit with a really horrible flu. And so I was in this room alone until the intercessors showed up. If you are an intercessor in this house, we bless you, we need you. And so I had an intercessor that would sleep on my floor at night in the hospital room and pray for me because I felt like I was going to die. I even questioned, is my days done? because the fear and the doubt was so strong. But I'll tell you, it is not wrong to doubt. And you're like thinking, what? Are you telling me it's okay to doubt? I am telling you it's okay to doubt. It's normal. You just have to pull yourself out of that doubt to faith. You have to pull yourself out of that doubt to faith. But the struggle is real and the struggle is strong. But you pull yourself back to faith by the word of God and getting in the word of God. I also discovered during this time, you know, fear and doubt has a voice. You at Mercy Culture know that. What do you say to fear? Fear, go. Well, I'm giving you a new one. Doubt, go, right? Fear and doubt has a voice, but during this season, I discovered faith has a greater voice. And you have to go to the Word of God and find the voice of faith in the Word of God. You have to get into worship as we were doing today. And when your eyes are locked on Him and worshiping Him and in His presence and communing, all of a sudden, He gets bigger than your mountain. All of a sudden, He is greater than your giant. So we need worship. We need actually communion, the literal communion. During this time, I would take communion, the bread and the cup, every day by faith. It was not crackers to me. It was not juice to me. It was healing. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. That was faith's voice talking to me. At times, we need the voice of faith that comes through other believers. When I was in that hospital eight days, I needed the the faith of those intercessors to be imparted into me. When we are weary in our faith and in a battle weariness, we need the faith of one another. To turn and to say to somebody next to you, we need each other. Amen, amen. The voice of faith will come. We read about Sarah and Abraham in Hebrews 11, and it said that Sarah did not look at her circumstance. Her and Abraham did not look at the condition of their bodies, but Sarah judged God faithful. 
You and I can look back where God has been faithful in the past and that will release faith's voice that he has been faithful in the past and he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will be faithful today. So we can judge God as faithful. We can say asthma runs in my family. Diabetes runs in my family. Arthritis runs in my family. A heart condition runs in my family. Autism runs in my family. But faith's voice says healing runs in my family. Healing runs in my family. If, if you noticed, I said I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I do not have ulcerative colitis because healing runs in my body. You're saying, Jan, you're not living in reality. Oh, yes, I am. I am living in the reality that my God is a healer. It's in his nature. It's in his will. And he will heal everyone and everything in our lives. That's a kingdom language. That is a kingdom reality that you and I have to stir ourselves up because that faith, you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't have that kind of faith. Yes, you you do because you have the same measure of faith that I do. I just got in a circumstance in a situation where I chose to activate it, to develop it, to nurture it, to feed it, to find faith's voice in where God has provided for me. When you're contending for healing, you have to speak to the symptoms because the symptoms do not disqualify the word of God. The symptoms do not disqualify the power of God. But I I know that we are taught not to talk to ourselves. I remember my mother saying, if you talk to yourself, people are going to think you're crazy. And we've all done it. We've looked over at a car, they're by themselves. We can tell they're not listening to anything on the radio. They're having their own conversation. And you think, uh-oh, they're a little mental. But guess what? I'm here to tell you, you better be talking to yourself. You better be telling yourself nothing is impossible without my God. You better be talking to your body and you better be saying to your body, be made whole. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit according to Corinthians. Every trespasser I must evict with the authority of Jesus Christ, with the authority of the word of God. So you need to talk to yourself. You need to talk to your body. You need to talk to the symptoms. And if the symptoms go, guess what? Bad news. The enemy's going to try to bring them back. And guess what you got to do at that point? Do you remember the story that Jesus talked about when the strong man was not aware that the enemy was coming in and he, and he was evicted? And then he came back. The enemy came back seven times stronger. The enemy will always try to come back. But you have to decree and declare, this is God's territory. You have no right. And you have to fight it. I've had it again and again where you have to speak to that which is not as if it is. That is faith that we have within us, that we have, that God has. We have to do it. Your body, do you know that your body has been created to respond to the word of God. Your body that's been created by the creator has been created to respond to the word of God. That's why you talk to your body.
That's why you talk to your heart. You're saying, oh my gosh, this woman is crazy. Yes, I am crazy about Jesus. I am crazy about believing his word. I am crazy and I am almost militant about believing that God is here today to heal all and to heal everything. So we see in God's word how powerfully he speaks to us. So I'm in this facing my mountain. And I, I am believing God for 100% healing. I said, God, you provided through your son Jesus everything that my body needs, all provision of healing. I'm believing for 100% healing. I am decreeing it to myself. I am decreeing it to others. I decreed it from the microphone. I decreed it to my doctor, and I went with the follow-up labs. And my doctor's looking at my labs, and hold your applause because I'm going to confess what a bad place I was in. My doctor was amazed and she said, oh my gosh, you are 80% healed with only one small portion. This is amazing. To the point she said, can I take your lab works and show other doctors? But I was bummed. Some of you don't know what bum means. <laughs> I was down because I believed for 100% and I didn't get 100%. I got 80%. And Jesus came to me and said, Jan, are you building a case for me or a case against me? Can I say that again? Jan, are you building a case against me or are you building a case for me? You guys, I hadn't even thanked or praised him or spoken to anybody else that he healed me 80%. The magnificent of God, a powerful truth when you're in the process of healing. What you have, give him praise and thanks for and don't look at what you don't have. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus held two fishes and five loaves with over 5,000 people. It was not enough, but we read that Jesus lifted it and gave thanks. And when he gave thanks, he started and it multiplied and it not only met the need, but it was more than enough. That's what Thanksgiving will do in your, in my life. We don't have, I didn't have a hundred percent, but I thank you for the 80% because it will multiply to the 100%. Healing is a process and Jesus will be in the process with you. Jesus will be in the process with you. In Mark, we read where Jesus, you know the story. He, pray, he prayed for a blind man and he said to the blind man, what do you see? And the blind man said, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus prayed again. Will you say that with me? Jesus prayed again. It is time for many of you that's been dealing with long-term illnesses, long-term sickness, it is time for you to pray again. Jesus prayed again and the man completely had his sight healed. We read about Nahum the leper and he was told to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Why couldn't have he just dipped once? 
but he dipped seven times and he was healed. You see, Jesus is in the process of healing and he's doing more in our lives than just healing our bodies. And we have to trust him in the process. Can you say amen to that? He is faithful in the process. You, the word of God is being demonstrated. So today we have learned we, you, I, we have enough faith. And God is the object of our faith, and faith has a voice. And I just want to say that faith's voice will be stronger and greater than every other voice that is there. And God is pleased. Remember my mountain-moving faith? I thought that was the only faith that pleased God. Uh-uh. Hebrews just said that um, God is pleased with faith faith. So any portion of faith that you extend to God, he is pleased with. I am so thankful when I was in that hospital for the scripture found in Mark, the father that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And God will meet us at the place that we're struggling with unbelief. So faith has a voice. Okay, let's look at the last word, go. And where this go comes from is Jesus has died on the cross. He has resurrected. And we now find him after the resurrection in Mark 16, 15. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And he says to the disciples, go into all the world. You know, I need to pause a minute and I need to tell you about faith. Hmm. Lord, show me where to go with this. Because I think when we talk about faith, we typically feel like we don't have enough faith. But some of us, and I, and I would be one, uh, our hearts are hurting or have been hurt because we believed and we prayed and God didn't come through like we needed him to come through. And the reason why I can say that is I had a sister that died way too young and I prayed and I believed. And I know many in, in here today and maybe a lot of you in here today can struggle in this area when, it, when we talk about faith and believing God to heal all and believing God to heal everyone. And I'll tell you, I really went through a time when my sister, because I believed I heard from God. I believe God gave me scriptures. Can any of you relate? God gave me scriptures that he was going to heal her. And she died. And I'll tell you, I don't know that my faith crashed, but I was really mad at God. Because I felt like I, could, I did everything I could do to believe and to pray. And of course, I did not want my sister to die. But I had to come. Actually, God, I had to allow God to come to me because I was upset with him. And I, God came to me and I told him, I'm mad at you. I'm angry. Why did she die? Why did she die? She was in full-time ministry. She was doing the work of God. She still had children. She would never see some of her children get married. And you know what? Some of you are sitting here 
And your story is even more painful than mine. But I had to ask God to heal my heart. And he healed my heart because there's some things that we just will never understand until we see him face to face. So I want to tell you if that's you today, God is here to heal your heart. But you have to just say to him, God, I definitely need my heart. In fact, I feel like I need to pray that right now. If this is you, Lord, I just pray right now that you would minister by only your spirit as only as you can. That you would heal those that are in here hurting, Lord. That are hurting because God, they did die. God, it did fall apart. Lord, the answer didn't come. And God, I just pray that your healing oil would be upon them, Jesus. And I pray, God, that in your healing time right now, that you would begin to put new flesh upon their heart. Because, Jesus, you tell us in Deuteronomy, life and death is before you. Choose life. So, Lord, we've seen death, but today, by faith, we're saying we're going to choose to believe again. Lord, we choose to believe again. So, Lord, I just pray for that right now in your powerful name, by your sweet name. Um, I just want to share with you a powerful testimony before we even step into the go part. The go part, let me just say this much. Jesus, his last words before he ascended, they say the last things that we say to a person that we love are so important. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel and lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover, they shall be healed. So the go part of this is, it's time for you to go into your world. It's time for you to go to your neighbor. It's time for you to go to the one in your office. It's time for you to go at the campus. It's time for you to go in the doctor's office or the grocery store and tell the gospel. Tell your story. That's the gospel. You don't have to have all these scriptures down. You just have to be like the blind man in the synagogue when they were saying, how did you get healed? And they had a thousand questions for him. And he finally said, wait, 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 wait. I don't know. All I know is that man, I was blind, and that man, Jesus, healed me. That is your story. That is the gospel. And then you pray for them, and you see them. You see them get touched by the power of God. And what if you pray and they don't get healed? But what if you pray and they do get healed? And the gospel. Do you remember the story that Jesus told, or we read in the Bible about Jesus and the father falls down before him? And he said, Jesus, if you are willing, will you heal my son? I took my son to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus looked at the father and said, I am willing. And then he healed his son. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, why couldn't we do that? And before Jesus said, 
This only happens by fasting and prayer. He said, because of your unbelief, can I speak to possibly a place within your heart and within your life? I submit to you that I believe the unbelief wasn't that they didn't believe that Jesus was the healer. It wasn't that they didn't believe in healing. I submit to you their unbelief was they didn't know who they were in Christ and the healing power that was in within them. And that is so many in the body of Christ. Our unbelief is we don't believe that the healing power of Jesus Christ is within us to minister and release healing. So I challenge you in that to know that Jesus chooses you. Jesus believes in you and Jesus the healer is in you. Our daughter Danae was pregnant with her second child. She had no problems with the first child and it was a Sunday morning. Zane and I both noticed in the, in the morning services she wasn't there. Her and her husband Chris was not there and we were eating lunch and um, she called on my phone and she said, mom, where are you and dad? And I said, we're eating lunch. She said, can you meet us at the hospital? I said, why? She said, um, mom, I haven't felt the baby move all morning long. So I'm gonna go and they're gonna monitor the baby. And I thought my daughter was huge, pregnant. And I thought, oh, I hung up the phone and I thought the baby's so big, probably has no room to move. But we met her and Chris in the, in the parking lot of the hospital. And she said, mom, can you take Riley? She really needs a nap, her two-year-old. My heart was torn because I wanted to be with my daughter. So Zane stayed with Danae and Chris and I took Riley, and took her home and it was, I didn't have to drive far. And I was get, just about to put Riley down and my phone rings and our executive pastor said, Pastor Jan, get back to the hospital now. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, just drive now. We have somebody that'll take Riley. So I got to the hospital, I walked in the room that my husband and Chris was in, and they both were sobbing. Now let me just pause right here in the story. We were with Danae and Chris when they had their first sonogram. And the morning that we were going to the sonogram, I was just putting my makeup on, and I hear the Lord say, I'm going to speak to you today in the sonogram. And I thought, okay, Lord. Two months prior to this, we had done a seminar on the gifts of the Spirit. And we gave the illustration about the fivefold ministry. We always use a hand to explain the fivefold ministry. We say the thumb represents the apostle because all these have access to the apostle. And the pointer finger is the prophet. The middle finger that extends, that's the evangelist. The ring finger is the pastor because of the love that the pastor has with his, with his flock. And the pinky is the teacher. And so I, I had given this illustration. So now we're in the room with the sonogram and the nurse is going over the baby. And all of a sudden, the baby goes like this. And the nurse says, oh, he wants to be number one. And I said, oh, no, this one will be a prophet to the nations. So we're back, at the, we're back at the hospital. I walk in the room. My husband and Chris are sobbing. I said, what's wrong? Our daughter, Danae, had had a complete placenta abruption with no pain and no bleeding. That meant no warning. 
that the placenta completely pulled apart. They said Jacob has been born post-birth eight minutes without breathing or a heartbeat. And they are sobbing. And I, you want to know why God did not allow me to be with my daughter? Because I was not caught in the fear that my husband and Chris was caught in. And I said, oh no, God, you said this one won't be a prophet to the nations. Lord, Jacob will live. I started saying, oh no. I started praying in the spirit. I didn't care who heard me. I was dealing with life and death. I started praying in the spirit. The doctor walks in very somber and the doctor says we've revived him but we don't think he's going to make it through the night we're going to try to air vac him to a specialty hospital we'll transport your daughter and he walked out he came back in and he said if he does make it through the night he will have severe brain damage and he will be in the NICU for months he walked back out and I started in again and by this time, my husband shook off the fear. He was up walking with me. Chris was up walking with me. Jacob made it through the night. He was in an incubator. Uh, he was eight pounds, 16 ounces. He was a big boy. And my husband and I would go in the NICU, the little holes in their beds, and we would stick our finger in there and we would lay hands upon Jacob. He will recover. The nurses, the nurses in the NICU are angels from heaven, but they thought we were crazy. And guess what? We are crazy because we chose to believe God. Jacob was on life support for eight days. By the 13th day, we took Jacob home, completely whole, completely healed, and no brain damage. Thank you, Jesus. They monitored Jacob once a month, the pediatric cardiology, the neurologist, and a NICU nurse. He met every milestone marker. Jacob is 17 years old today. He will be a prophet to the nations. That is our God who is willing to heal in his nature to heal in his name and in his blood. So today, God is here. Jehovah Rapha, our healer, is here. Before I call for those that need healing, I just want to challenge you. If you want the gift of healing to be activated, I already know in this message, it is stirred up. It's been broken open. But if you want to move in the gift of healing, lift your hands right now. And Father, I pray right now, you see your sons and daughters, their hands are lifted. The gift of healing within them. I pray for the spiritual activation anoint their eyes to see like they've never seen before give them your compassion for those that are in their world Lord we say they shall lay hands upon the sick they shall be healed they shall lay hands and they shall be delivered in the powerful name of Jesus thank you God 
We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 